0: It's great to belong to our life group. Just think of it. This afternoon, on the lawn, barbecue, on the lawn. Very kindly, Wendy and Chris, and this guy here.
1: He can't half do those barbecue
0: stuff. It was lovely. Well done, that man. On that fine June day in 1953, I want you to imagine... You are a special guest at Westminster Abbey, but not for you a place amongst the congregation, the company there. You're taken up a series of staircases, you get to a high balcony, and you overlook that splendid occasion. You might have seen some of it in recent weeks. And there you can look up at that high ceiling and down to the floor and everything is just awesome, really. You see the crowds, the dignitaries, their robes and their hats, their various headgear. And there are people row after row dressed in the finest clothing money can buy. But there at the At that abbey is the centerpiece. The queen on the throne in her gown, attendants surrounding her, and that large crown on her head and the scepter in her hand. The ceremony is at its peak. The archbishop has confirmed her coronation. And then that huge congregation, all the church people, parliamentary officials, legal and military figures, representatives of the Commonwealth other Nations, what do they do? God save the Queen. God save the Queen. God save the Queen. Save the queen. And you're there. You're caught up in it. It's something that you can feel. Well, we want to use that as a pointer to something. A far more glorious event, you will have gathered. We're thinking of a scene from heaven. The Bible gives us glimpses of heaven. And what we see there, of course, makes the coronation of a British or any other monarch or the appointment of any other national leader look very meager and rather feeble. Our Lord Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's what Jesus has prayed for. If you're a Christian that's where you're headed okay get that clear in mind Jesus has prayed for that and that's what's going to happen we know the thought of glory in the Bible is a very big word I spoke to a Wycliffe Bible translator a Christian organization spread through many countries seeking to translate the Bible into languages and dialects of many, many people. But this person told me that when they come to translate glory into some of these other languages, it is very difficult. Glory is... A difficult word. One of the old Bible scholars wrote, Glory is a transcendent word and comprises under it all manner of excellencies. That needs some thinking through. But at least I hope you've got the idea when we're thinking of the word glory, it's big, big. When we look at the Bible it is clear that there are heavenly and there are earthly glories. We read of the sun and the moon and the stars all having their own distinctive features and qualities and the Bible calls them their glories. But when we think of the glory of God we're thinking of those special qualities about God which aren't seen in anything he's made. They are essentially a part of him his personal being. So when we think of God we think of the greatness of his character And his attributes, all that makes him who he is. And so we've got this idea in our minds, God and his glory. Transcendent, big, big. And we try to illustrate that by using the sun. The sun to this earth is big. And from the sun, light shines and radiates. And as the sun is the sun, light must radiate, shine from the sun. You can't have light without the sun. And because the sun is, we have light. The light of the sun shines, and its radiance is its glory. And that is a picture we want to use of the glory of God shining, Hebrews chapter 1 and the very first two or three verses, the God's Son is called the radiance of his glory, the brightness of his image. It's It's as simple and profound as that. The sun radiates light. God radiates the sun. And both are together. Now there are five references in the book of Revelation that describe the glory of the Lord Jesus in heaven. And that's what he's prayed that we will see. And you ask God as you are there to ask him to give you a glimpse just a taster of what you're going to behold in in that coming day. The first glimpse of the glory of the Lord Jesus is found in the opening chapter of the book of Revelation. And there we see personal features, the person of Jesus from head to foot, the qualities of Jesus that separate him from all other world leaders, great characters, Ancient and modern of all times, Jesus stands out as supreme and apart in his personal being. That's brought out in the very first chapter, that sight of splendor which John sees. Now, in that coronation, you see the Queen with the crown, with the orb you see the garments you see the whole setting the queen is now 50 years further on like me she has less time to live in this world than she's already lived we're there, you're not there yet but this guy is When we think of the queen, we are not going to compare the Lord Jesus' glory with hers. Because the glory of the Lord Jesus is just in his person. That dear lady is a human being. Like other monarchs, she will die, and somebody else will have the crown. And the robes, etc., etc. But the glory of the Lord Jesus, the majesty, the authority, the sovereignty, they are in Himself. In Himself. You Bible readers, press your thoughts into that. In Himself, He has those attributes. The next sight of the Lord Jesus is in Revelation chapter 5. Our Queen has been a very valuable monarch and who has really kept the respect for the royal family in place over these years. And in Revelation chapter 5 we see the enthronement of the lamb. He is given the position to administer all God's affairs for his church throughout all of the world and all of heavens and all of the realms of darkness. And we see that he is given that position over all of that because he is the only one able and capable of doing it. Please, I love coming to this church. It's lovely to see young fellows and girls. Fellows and girls, yes, respect other people, from other continents and other areas and other times in their way. But never, never let anybody compare with Jesus. Always put him beyond and above everyone else in history. In that picture in heaven, who is worthy to take this book from the one on the throne, the question is asked around, around, as it were, the realms of heaven. Everywhere is looked into, and for a while there is no one. And then this lamb comes forward. And this lamb has the marks of his sacrificial death still on him. And the lamb comes forward to take the volume. In other words, to then officiate and administer God's authority and power over the world because all authority has been given unto him in heaven and upon earth. And as you look at that lamb, he bears the marks of his death His supremacy is proclaimed. And then there is a cycle of worship and praise. It begins with those characters. They're called living creatures and elders. And they begin praising the Lamb. And then the next section goes on to show all the angelic realms praise the Lamb. But it doesn't stop there. For them, we read, all who have ever lived. It's a universal praise to
1: Christ. I'm sure there will be a measure of formality in the cries of those people at that coronation day God save the Queen. When we see the glory of the Lord Jesus, we will see him for who he is. And we will honestly and fervently worship him. Then, our whole being, our minds, our hearts, our wills, soul, spirit, strength, life, conscience, imagination, the whole of us will be caught up with the glory of Jesus and we will praise him as we want to praise him. We will see what it cost to save us from our sin and we will know just a little more. Know him for who he is. And you know, whilst we're in this world, whilst we're singing these lovely hymns we sing, that's what we've got to be working at developing. Knowing his love for us, that he could do so much to save us. Yes, that's the first part. Two sides of the coin, but also knowing him for who he is. Just appreciating Jesus in his excellency and in his glory the two the two go together but then we have another sight of heaven and Jesus the lamb in chapter 7 as you look over that balcony in Westminster Abbey you see the queen you know she's now reigning over these islands and the commonwealth nations as well. Queen of many millions of people. Changes since then, of course. Maybe the British monarch has even less influence now than then. Okay. But we do see a picture of heaven, which is captured in Revelation chapter 7, because verse 9 says, There is a great multitude, no one could number, from every nation. From all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne. Since the day the Lord Jesus went to heaven, the power of the gospel, the message of Christ Jesus has spread far and near and it's even reached this country. And there are people in this country who know the Lord Jesus Christ all over the world that are believers today. In our time, with the availability of information, we ought to be the most encouraged believers of all time. For Jesus once said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, not going to stop it. And although there have been 2,000 years of relentless opposition to the person of Christ and the word of God, the Bible is still spreading. And people all over the world of different cultures and different nations and different places are coming and being brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be so encouraged that we are living in times where these are so demonstrably obvious. Then there is that lovely occasion in Revelation chapter 19. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And there we see the celebratory glory of the Lord. After the coronation, there was a splendid banquet. And maybe you've been taken along to look at that banquet but what a meal that must have been on that coronation day, not long after post-war Britain. None of you will remember it. None of you will remember those, those Russian book days. <laughs> I do. For the things that we read about that they had, it was a feast. But now we come to this marriage supper of the Lamb and there is a vast note of jubilation in that marriage supper of the Lamb as the church who is described as a bride, as a bride with her white robes on, as a bride who is prepared and, and ready to meet and to be with the, the one who loves her and the one she loves this marriage supper of the lamb, and we read that the sound in heaven is of a great hallelujah. We read that she is clothed in fine linen, bright and pure, which is the the righteous deeds of the saints. And there is that marvelous meal in this marriage supper. Now, please be patient with me here use your imagination for a minute here just you know imagine imagine you're at that table you're sitting at the marriage supper the lord is there he's the center you're with his people ah oh, and he's there you're one of his And as you're looking around, you look at the wall behind you. And over your head, there is this banner. It's got the word love. The banner over us is love. He's loved us, loving us, and will love us. And in your heart, you sing the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. You respond. You rise. Now he wants you to enjoy this banquet. This marriage supper of the Lamb. He as the old authorised version puts it. He sups with us. And we with him. He eats with us. And we eat with him. There is that that togetherness. There is that fellow sharing. Belongingness. He's with us. We're eating with him. You know, there is that delight. Please, my my dear friends, please don't write this off as evangelical, as Christian sentimentalism. In this macho, violent world, where macho violence rules so many places, this sense of knowing the love of God in Jesus and appreciating his love for us and our love for him it far outweighs the destruction and the death and the, the macho of much of this world. It is not sentiment. It is not just poet poetry. This is reality, knowing, sharing, appreciating love for the Lord and the love of the Lord. Now just imagine you're in another place now. Imagine you're in that upper room and in that upper room, what do we see? The Lord Jesus, he passed his disciples the plates and the cups. And so we're back now in the marriage supper, and I want you to think of the Lord Jesus passing you things, passing you plates. Imagine, this is imagination, but somewhere in Scripture these principles are there. You won't find this scene in Scripture as such in this detail, But the principles I'm going to share with you are in the Bible. The Lord Jesus is our host we're his guests. The table is spread beautifully set. Imagine the Lord Jesus looking over his guests. He wants them all there. He'll be Delighted they're all there. He won't say, hey, I died for him in vain. I died for her in vain. No, he will be so pleased that everyone is there. It will matter to him that we are there. So there's this table set. He's delighting in this occasion, this marriage supper of the lamb. He gets a dish. He puts the dish in your hand and he says to you, I loved you before you loved me. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah. And over there there are some marvelous looking liquids. He pours out a drink, he hands this to you, and the refreshing taste of this liquid goes right deep down inside. And he says to you, This is my constant fellowship and communion with you. All his merits, all his sacrifice, all his righteousness. These are always ours now and they always will be. We'll always be in heaven because of Jesus. God's love in Jesus. He looks over the table and there is a gold salver there. It's got some rather fine looking meat. He cuts some off. This is strong meat. I'm giving you a nice piece. Cut it into small pieces and eat it slowly, he says. And as you take the meat, this is his electing love. Not to be taken lightly, but this is concentrated preciousness. Precious. This kind of love. He loved me before the world was made. By the way, he says, there were times when I had to chasten you. And just sitting there at that table, our minds go back, yeah, yeah, you did. I remember. But you were right. And he gives us a portion with herbs on. Now those herbs on their own, they would have a rather bitter taste. But in the soup, those herbs are nourishing. I had to chastise you. I had to challenge and rebuke and disappoint. At times even hurt you. But I did it and it was for your good. And he looks you right in the eye. I remember those things when you were hurting. The difficulties you went through. He says, I want you to know this. There was nothing you went through which separated you from my love. Nothing you went through separated you from my love. He presses his hand on your arm. There we are. At the banquet my beloved and I he's pouring out his love to us. He's making us realize we mean so much to him. Do you find your heart is cold sometimes? I wonder if I wonder if you feel a bit awkward, embarrassed in thinking of responding to the love of Jesus. I wonder if there is that sense where it's not, it's not what you do. It's all right to sing about it, but really to to get on your own. To get on your own and to say words like this. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the pleasures of sin, I design. I hope you learn, as I have just begun to learn. I began when I became a Christian, and I'm just at the the letter A stage of learning how to and to have that warm love for the one who loves me. Remember, we are not macho Christians. Yes, we are soldiers of the cross. Yes, it's hard to be a believer. But in all of that, it's love for the Savior, which really, really matters. The other day, I was watching a news bulletin after the national three-minute bell ringing to celebrate the opening of the Olympic Games, and a girl interviewed in her local community with a group of others. She was interviewed and she said, it is amazing. Remember the bell ringing? Everybody rang just for three minutes, was it, the other day? Thursday morning, was it? They rang the bells up and down the country. It is amazing. To be part, to be part of something so big—just bell ringing for an Olympic Games. <laughs> but my dear friend, when we take communion, to be part of something which is so big, so big, heaven, God, to be part that and then we come to that last chapter and there we see the triumph of the lamb in his divine glory the coronation of the queen the day is over it's been a moving occasion what a wonderful day you recall seeing her arriving in the coach and horses and that incredible experience witnessing Westminster Abbey and then the journey to the celebrations. When we see the one in heaven, the Lamb, we want to see this. He has perfect communion with the one on the throne. There is such an affinity, such a closeness between God the Father and God the Son. Such a love. And we are going to see that. But even more, we're going to be brought into it. We're going to share in all of that. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, no pain. All that's passed away, this city of heaven has no temple for the Lord God and the Lamb of the temple. There's no sun or moon. The glory of God is the light. Its gates will never be shut. There will be no night, no weariness, no tiredness. The river of life will flow from God, from the throne as it's put, from the Lamb, through the middle of the, of the whole realm. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. Years ago, those words, seeing the face of Jesus excited a whole generation of older Christians than me. And many a number of hymns were written, just excitement about seeing the face of Jesus. I hope there is a, a staring there is a moving in your spirit at the very thought of seeing the face of Jesus. The one on the throne and the Lamb will fill the city of God forever they will reign. Someone might well ask, where will the Holy Spirit be? The Holy Spirit isn't mentioned, so it's not for me to just bring him in in that sense. But earlier on in the book, it says the Holy Spirit is always before the throne of God. So he is there. So when we think of these few moments trying to get some glimpse of heaven, I hope in your own thoughts some hymns have come to mind, some verses of scripture have come to mind while I've been speaking. I hope that you've been trying to think of, of heaven as the Bible reveals it. And of God and of Jesus in heaven as the Bible reveals him. So when we think of heaven through the picture of our own national coronation, let us remember this. The Bible finishes on a high note. All right? It finishes on that note. God the Lamb, all his people together, total delight, holiness, love, praise, service, meaningful, living. The thing about that occasion at Westminster Abbey, everybody went back, didn't they? When we get to heaven, there's no going back no going back forever with the Lord so when we read those closing words he who testifies to these things says yes I'm coming soon I know some of you are younger Christians if you can just get some some faint glimpse, some staring in your own soul of wanting Jesus to come. This preaching will have not been in vain. I am coming soon. How do we reply to that? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, may that be our spirit, our thinking, our delight.